Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Ralph Breaks the Internet. Jan, would you like to tell us a bit about this movie? I sure would. Ralph Breaks the Internet, aka Wreck-It Ralph 2, is a 2018 movie. As of when we're recording this, it came out yesterday. (laughs) November 21st, 2018. It is a sequel to the 2012 film Wreck-It Ralph. You can hear our podcast about that about a month ago, right? Something like that? About that. We'll we'll link to that in the show notes. Sure. If we remember. (laughs) It was... Directed by Rich Moore and Phil Johnson, and written by Phil Johnson and Pamela Ribbon. It features the voices of John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman, back from the first movie, as well as Gal Gadot, Tajari P. Henson, Alfred Molina to Ellen Tujic, Jack McBrayer, Jane Lynch, and Ed O'Neill as well. Paul, what was the plot to Wreck-It Ralph 2, a.k.a. Ralph Wrecks the Internet, I mean Breaks the Internet? <laughs> when Vanellope's arcade game Sugar Rush is broken, she and the other inhabitants of Sugar Rush find themselves gameless. Vanellope is despondent, and in an attempt to make her feel better, Ralph goes to the internet to find a replacement part. On the internet, Vanellope finds a new racing game. The brutal and realistic slaughter race. Slaughter race? Yeah. Yeah. And decides that she prefers it to Sugar Rush. Ralph feels rejected. Vanellope feels conflicted. But they both eventually get over their insecurities. And their friendship moves into a new phase. The end. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what happens in this movie. That's what happens in this movie. We just saw it in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) So, objectively as you can, how good of a movie was Ralph Breaks the Internet? I'm going to start, if you remember our Wreck-It Ralph episode... We mentioned Ralph Breaks the Internet as coming up, and you said you were excited Mm -hmm. about it, and I said I wasn't that excited about it because I was worried that it was going to be derivative and, like, have this version of the internet that we often see in kids' movies where it really bears no resemblance to the internet as we experience it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also was worried going in because Ralph Breaks the Internet is a terrible name. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For Wreck-It Ralph. Why isn't it Ralph Wrecks the Internet? And the answer is because it is a extremely dated reference to Kim Kardashian saying she breaks the Internet, which Mm -hmm. was a bad reference to make even if it wasn't dated. Yep. Yep. Good call. So I was anxious going in. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... I think the worst thing about this entire movie, by far, is the title. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is my... Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by the quality of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think this was a very well-made, uh, well-constructed movie. I think the people making this movie did a really good job. I agree. I think the the new added voices are fantastic. Uh, Alan Tudyk is just like the new Disney, like, everything these days. He's like the Disney version of uh, John Ratzenberger. Right, yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, if we want to start by talking about the voice performances, I think that uh, John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman do as well in this movie as they did in their previous in the previous one mm-hmm. i don't think either of them are doing better than in the last one but i thought they both did great in the last one and do oh again. disagree because sarah silverman sings in this one she does and i think that's i don't know if it's her real voice but i think it's excellent <laughs> okay um the minor vocal performances are all good gal gadot was pretty fun yeah absolutely i didn't i knew her voice was familiar but i couldn't place it and i didn't know that it was gal gadot and then seeing her in the credits was like oh yeah yeah absolutely um and i mean the animation this time around i mean seeing anything on the big screen mm -hmm. really points out the goodness of the animation and like there were just a thousand Easter eggs a minute in this. Oh, yeah. Didn't catch half of them. But even that, there's... The animation is really improved on the last one. It's really detailed. It's really clever. There's a lot in it that is, uh, yeah, just extremely clever animation. I agree that... Uh... It is visually appealing and is uh, high quality animation and has a lot of detail and is really good. I think um, I'm not sure I totally agree that it's an improvement on the last movie. No? Because one of the things that the last movie had uh, really going for it was the stylized animation. Hmm. Was the way that like in each game... The world looked different, and the uh, aesthetic was different in each game. And they don't really reproduce that kind of thing in this movie. Hmm. Yeah, I can see your point there. So, like, the way that some of the characters who are from Fix-It Felix Jr. move very jerkily, and, like, that's a, a little idiosyncrasy in how they animate them. Mm-hmm. But all the internet people look and move alike. Hmm. Because they're all the same, though. Yeah. So, like, I don't think... I think technically it was great and good. And I think it was good looking. But I, I think that conceptually there wasn't as strong a visual marker uh, and design marker of, like, different places in the internet mm. the way there was of different places in the arcade. Yeah. Good call. My favorite, in terms of vocal performances, my favorite thing was the all the cameos by every Disney princess. I mean, yeah. I'm talking a little bit about non-objectively how much I enjoyed yeah. it. But let's, just... let's maybe get back to that a little yeah, bit. Okay. Because I wanted to say one thing more about the animation, which is 
the big Ralph made of Ralphs. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, kind of creepy, <laughs> yes. to say the least, but it's astounding, the animation in that, that every single Ralph is individually rendered and is making up a big Ralph and, and is moves in this certain way and moves on its own. It's pretty impressive, I yeah. must say. Agreed. Agree with that for sure. Just in terms of technical ability. This is a very technically well done movie. Agreed for sure. Should we move into the more, uh, how much did you enjoy this movie? Subjective. Subjective. That's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Non-objective. Yes. How much did you enjoy this movie, Jan? A lot. It was a lot of fun. I tend to, when I see a movie in the theaters, I tend to come out of it enjoying it. And it's not until I think about it later if I don't enjoy it. So we'll kind of see after we discuss (laughs) it a little more, my thoughts full feelings but i think it was a good movie i think it was really well done and just a lot of fun yeah uh and like yeah the disney princesses let's just let's just take a few minutes to talk about that <laughs> that was just a delight mm-hmm. i really liked all the disney princesses they're all voiced all of them who the voice actors are alive yeah Return to voice their characters. Yeah, exactly. They each had a little moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, it, you know, Snow White and Ariel probably got the most attention. Yeah. Marginally, though. Mm-hmm. Because they gave each one a little moment to shine. Absolutely. Belle was probably the one who got the least attention, actually. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, but it was just great. Mm-hmm. I loved those vocal performances. When you put all the Disney princesses together, I think that Jodie Benson, Ariel, is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney princess movie. Belle's my favorite Disney princess. But I think Jodie Benson is my favorite Disney princess voice actor. Mm, I think you may be right. I'm. It's, she's up there. She's really great in this movie. Yeah. Oh, so many good moments. And I mean, just the clothing that they wear when they turn to like comfy clothes and all the references on every single shirt as to who they are. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it was all over the trailers. They had released it as a kind of an exclusive thing, but there's more of it when you see the movie and it's even better. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And it wasn't what I was worried about going into it was oh, this is just going to be one big meta reference. Yeah. And like, it's hilarious to adults, but kids are like, think it's kind of funny. But no, they were actually plot significant. There was a point to the Disney princesses being there. They made them important. And I think that was really clever for Disney, a Disney film to do. Agreed, for sure. It was not just, you know, wink at the audience. They actually had a purpose. Yeah. Which there was a lot of winking at the audience in this. But I think not at the expense of the plot. Yeah, most of the winking at the audience was just blink and you miss it Easter eggs that yeah. just add to the texture of the world that like make sense in world as these things exist on the internet. And if you don't get them, they just contribute to like, this is a very populated world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Both by characters and by landscape and whatever. And then if you do re- notice, if you do notice Nick from uh, Zootopia walking past and, uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Netscape Navigator 
uh, navigation wheel down at the bottom when he falls under the into the bottom of the internet there's like a bunch of wrecks and... <laughs> like an alta vista search bar yeah and yeah it's pretty clever good stuff it's, yeah i enjoyed this movie a lot too since yeah. you didn't ask <laughs> Sorry. Do, you want, do you want me to ask <laughs> that's okay <laughs> we can go back and edit that in <laughs> um i had a lot of fun i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. i enjoyed it a lot more than i expected to well let's do this let's get into the Way Way portion of our show. All right. And I feel like I have a lot to say. Do you feel like you have a lot to say? I do, but why don't you take it away? We probably have similar things to say. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just start with some of our complaints about the last movie were along the lines of... uh, What's her name? Jane Lynch's character. Calhoun. Calhoun being one dimensional, being like falling in love with Fixit Felix for no reason and all that stuff and being kind of annoyed with the female characters in that movie. And in this movie, there are so many female characters. Mm-hmm. There are unexpected twists th- of like uh in terms of gender roles especially mm-hmm. for a disney movie like geez uh you have this like <sighs> the racing slaughter race or whatever is kind of like grand theft auto almost yeah no i i think not kind of almost i think it's like let's not get sued and change the name of this grand okay theft auto i don't really know grand theft auto that well But I assume that that's what it was. Okay, so, but then you have the main badass character, Shank, being a woman. And it's never lampshaded. It's never made a big deal of. She's just a woman. You have the the head of BuzzTube, whatever the fake YouTube is, is yes, she's a woman. You have Vanellope, you have all these Disney princesses, you have every character where it doesn't matter what their gender is, you have it be a woman. Yep. And that's amazing. I mean, there are not a few uh, male characters too. Yeah. I don't think every character, but often. No, not every character. Very often. And like, I feel like with Shank... It's like they're taking a second crack at what they wanted to do with Calhoun. Exactly. And doing it way better. Her be like the badass, tough character. uh, What they, it seems like what they wanted to do with Calhoun and almost did is like, she's the tough character and let's make her a woman. And, but then they water that down by giving her a tragic backstory of a dead fiance on her wedding day and she becomes Felix uh, Felix's love interest whereas Shank doesn't have a tragic backstory doesn't have a love interest has some dimension uh, which Calhoun kind of does like what the backstory was meant to do with Calhoun is give her dimension what they do with Shank is give her dimension by having her be like I'm self-aware. I know I'm in a video game. I'm, a, you know, super violent and aggressive to players because I'm giving them the joyful experience of being in this game. Mm-hmm. And so she's, a, you know, not evil, but badass and tough and cool. Yep. 
And just really super competent. Yeah. All that stuff I thought was great. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a little moment in Shank and her crew. Like, just... It reminded me a little bit of... uh, Tangled. The, like... The tough carjacking crew in the violent video game that, like... Not too different effect than in Tangled, but they're a little bit like the ruffians in Tangled, mm-hmm. where like they have dimension beyond their exterior. Uh, and it goes in a different direction and for a different purpose, but it's a little bit playing the same notes of like they are more nuanced than they might appear to be. Exactly. And that nuance is played for humor, but also for actual nuance. Yeah, exactly. I really appreciate that. And you have the one, like, thug who's talking about a TED Talk that he watched. Yeah. He didn't know exactly what he said, but he really liked the feeling that it gave him. Yeah. (laughs) And it was just, yeah, it was a lot of clever things like that. I really appreciate it. It had some real intelligence in this movie. Some real, you know, the writing was very smart and very well done. Um, I just, yeah, I really appreciate the way that... Vanellope comes in amongst the princesses and she's a princess too. She calls out in like a meta way that like, are you guys okay? You're talking about like the <laughs> yeah. horrible ways in which you were treated. <laughs> like, should I call the police? Like she just kind of lampshades all these uh, things that people have been pointing out for years. Disney princess tropes. <laughs> Disney princess tropes. But she also, they really embrace her. It's none of girl versus girl in no. this movie at all. No. There is not a hint of, uh, like there was in the last movie with Vanellope and all the other girls in the Sugar Rush game. Yeah. In this world, there's no rivalries between girls. There's no there's, rivalries between women. There's like a mild rivalry still between Vanellope and the other racers in Sugar Rush, but like racing rivalry. Mm-hmm. You know? Not and, like, we hate you and think you're terrible. Like, I'm going to race you and beat you at racing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Vanellope. And this movie is very much, it's, I mean, it's named after Ralph, but it's very much Vanellope's story. Yeah, for And sure. it's her coming into herself, her discovering who she is. And even, like, even though it's actively mocking or poking fun at Disney princess tropes, she is a Disney princess, and she has her own little song about how she wants to be on Slaughter Race. Yep. And she gets to. That was unexpected to me. I was expecting Ralph to win, hmm. to to get to keep her, and for, for her not to be able to be in Slaughter Race for various reasons. But no, she was able to achieve her dream. How great is that? Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised by that. I was expecting her to be able to achieve her dream because early in the movie, they really seed like uh, Ralph is happy with nothing changing and Vanellope wants things to change. And they, that made me expect that she would be the one driving the plot because he is happy with the status quo. So what's going to happen in terms of plot structure, what I expected from the beginning that they paid, they delivered to me, is he wants nothing to change. She wants something to change. They can't both get what they want. Uh, things aren't going to stay the same, or otherwise there would be no story. Mm-hmm. So if one care, if one wants nothing to change and the other wants something to change, 
something's going to change and we're not going to come back to the status quo at the end because if we did the story would be uh meaningless yeah that's what i hoped and expected from the very first scenes and that's what they paid off and i'm not saying that in like that it was boring and predictable i'm saying that in like i think it was really well structured Mm -hmm. they set up the conflicts both ralph and vanellope essentially have internal conflicts they're each other's antagonist but actually the central conflicts are internal for both of them Mm -hmm. and they each resolve their conflicts in uh different ways like so vanellope gets to have vanellope wants something external from herself to uh gives her life meaning Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she gets it and ralph want uh wants not to learn anything and he doesn't get it (laughs) right (laughs) ralph learns and grows and becomes a more mature character so Mm -hmm. he grows as a character vanellope's circumstances change and ralph's outlook changes yeah absolutely it was very satisfying structurally as well yeah Um, there was no, I really love how Ralph and Vanellope's story is all about friendship. Mm -hmm. There's no romance there, even slightly. It's really about being friends with each other. And I really enjoy that. And it's quite like the central message of, in terms of friendship, as stated by Shank, really, Mm -hmm. is that like, best friends don't have to have the same dream. Yeah. And friendship, friends grow. Yeah. And that doesn't have to mean the friendship's over. And that uh, that's an actually profound insight into friendship. <laughs> and, it, and into relationships in general. Yeah, absolutely. But the, like a lot of the emotional truth in a lot of these kinds of movies is actually generalizable into relationships in general but uh the specific way that they express it is in a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. and it's refreshing to see that expressed in a different relationship but still be something that's generalizable yeah absolutely so this is a movie about friendship but it's also just about interacting with others Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) in any kind of context yeah and you have them save each other. Mm-hmm. He has a mo- he has Ralph has his moment where he saves Penelope from the game as it's rebooting. And yep. I was a little annoyed when that happened. I was like, oh, they just said like a big strong man to help you out, and then this big strong man saves her. But then it turns around and she saves him later when he's being squished by the virus, Ralph, and because... and then the princesses save him as well. And so it's like. It's a cycle of saving each other. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy that that dynamic. Because in the context of the whole movie, what ended up happening or what ended up... What they ended up showing us was not a big strong man saving a uh, damsel in distress. It was two friends who care about and save each other repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Right? That he's all through the movie trying to help her and and do things for her because she's his best friend and then part of what's necessary is for him to allow her to grow to the point that she can help him instead Mm -hmm. and that their relationship becomes more reciprocal instead of him just 
helping her and saving her. Yeah. I, I totally like it. Yeah, I agree. And that Vanellope can make more friends and he's not threatened by that. He was she, totally threatened by that. He was that, totally threatened by that. <laughs> eventually. Sorry, but yeah. like in the end, he's not. Yes. And yeah. uh, she makes a new relationship with Shank that I did not see coming at all because she's kind of set up like she might be a villain. And then yeah, she's a totally. friend. And then she's like, oh, she's like her good friend now. I mean, and maybe more. <laughs> Vanellope is a child. She's a child, but there was some some hinting going on in this, I felt like. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. What did you, you said something to me before we started recording about that. Do you want to run with that at this moment? Well, I just feel like... This movie is we all we we often talk about movies being heteronormative, mm-hmm. and this movie is not. And it's clearly not heteronormative in the sense that we usually complain about, mm-hmm. where uh, uh, hetero pairs, mm-hmm. a male and female pair, have to form a romantic union. So exactly. there isn't the romantic union that's missing. Yeah, exactly. So you have a. a male and a female character who are just friends with each other who don't and, who aren't forced into a into a relationship and then you also have uh women in friendships that might have more of a romantic vibe to them mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen in the movie which i'm kind of glad of because i'm glad that it's a movie about friendship but i feel like in uh heteronormative movie you would have shank be a man and them and vanellope and shank walking off into the sunset together and instead shank is a woman and the exact same thing is happening yeah and so i feel like that's a i don't progressive step i don't think that we're seeing vanellope walking off into the sunset with anyone not quite. I guess walking off no the sunset isn't what, quite the like in, in any version of this movie, because mm. they really, they call her kid. She's presented as a cute little kid. Her peers are adopted by Felix and Callahan. They're very, uh, emphasize her childishness. Yeah, okay. okay. But, but I do see a version of this movie where Ralph and Shank are the oh, yeah. uh, enforced uh, romantic pairing in the way that Calhoun and Felix were in the first movie. And I'm really glad they didn't even try to do that. Or yes. And Ralph also in a worse mm-hmm. movie would have ended up like pairing off. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like Wreck-It Ralph one would have paired Ralph off with either. Uh, yeah. Shank or yes. And they don't do either of those. And I think I do see what you're talking about, that there is a potentially romantic vibe to Vanellope and Shank. Uh, though I don't perhaps see it as strongly as you do, because I think that Vanellope is pretty childlike. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I see it more as a crush Yeah, on Vanellope's side. Oh, yeah. For sure. That's more what I mean, I'm I think. Totally with you. <laughs> is that, like, Vanellope's got a serious crush on on Shank, and you don't often see that. In no, movies. you don't. Yeah. No, no disagreement at all. Yeah. There, I totally see it also. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I want to talk about a moment just in terms of like moments where a worse version of this movie would have done terrible things. Ralph is falling after he defeats uh, Giant Ralph. Mm-hmm. He falls from a great height and the Disney princesses save him, which is itself just immediately great. Yeah. There's a great moment where they throw up Ariel and she does her big hair flip in the air. <laughs> and it's just like ridiculous and and the, the best. Uh-huh. And then they, cat, they save him by like making a Snow White dress and suspending it and like the mice from Cinderella help to make it and then suspend it. And he falls into the Cinderella, into the Snow White dress. Yeah. And falls onto a bed and is like Sleeping Beauty in a Snow White, or Snow White, in a Snow White dress. And then Tiana comes and brings him the frog to kiss. And there's a couple of moments in there where like he kisses the frog and there's no gay panic. Mm -hmm. There's no frog panic even. He's like, oh, hi, Frogger. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Uh, Which is uh, good for all kinds of reasons, but actually... Maybe that moment is best of all for being, uh, for avoiding the obvious lame joke. Mm-hmm. That, like, it's so much funnier that he's just like, oh, hi, Frogger. Yeah. Than if he's like, ah, you made me kiss a frog! You know, yeah, that absolutely. boring. But then he's in a Snow White dress. And he it tears a bit. And he's like, oh, this isn't made for a big boy. And then he tears it so his belly comes out. And he's like, oh, that's better. Yeah. And there's no... Like, it's not a joke. It's not a like we've talked about in the past, like cross dressing jokes, and that like it's emasculating. It's not emasculating for him at all. No, it's not played for. You it's know, a, look how embarrassed he should be for being in a dress. No, it's just the third beat in a three beat about him being really big and breaking stuff because uh, it's not made for someone as big as him. Mm-hmm. That's it's where they a, go with it. It's a it. big butt joke. Which is all throughout the movie. He's got a big butt. Yeah. And like, just that neither he, nor the princesses, nor the movie panic about him wearing a dress for five seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of astounding. It is. It's hard to imagine uh, a movie before. Any, like a movie before this being okay with their male lead ending up in a snow white dress and that not being the joke i mean yeah it's a bit the joke in the sense of like it's a ridiculous situation and he's put into all these uh princess cliches and it's the meta joke yeah but the fact that he's a man in a dress isn't the joke yep absolutely absolutely that's kind of astonishing it is this is a well, yeah, well-written, well-constructed movie. I mean, is it good? Is it seriously good? I want to... Oh, you want to have... Sorry. On, I just want one more thing that maybe is more connected to the quality of the movie. But when you're talking about structure of the movie, the giant Ralphs... Remember uh, Mr. Know-It-All, or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. says there's two possible things you could do. I just want to call out the strength of writing, where he says you could get them all into therapy... Or you could lead them to this place where they'll all be purged magic-like. Mm-hmm. Past this line and the problem goes away. And they, we are so trained to think, like, that first one was a joke and the second one is your goal. 
for this movie. Mm-hmm. Right? And then they fail in that goal, and Ralph talks to them about the nature of friendship. And honestly, when he was talking to them about the nature of friendship, I had a hot second where I was like, you could, like, they're a computer virus. You can't just be like, oh, be friends. And they'll be like, okay. And then I was like, wait, this movie told me, put them all in therapy and solve his insecurities and that'll solve the virus. Yep. And that's what he does. And that's what he does. And that turns out to be the solution. And that's like just such strong writing that mm-hmm. they give us two options and one seems ridiculous and that's the one that happens. And it's very uh, foreseeable in retrospect, but I didn't expect it. <laughs> yep. And it's also like a little on the nose that it's an insecurity virus that replicates his emotional insecurities. But it's also like very effective. Yeah. That like his emotional insecurities literally become a giant monster that's going to destroy everything. And the solution to it is not force or outwitting it or uh, the solution to it is emotional maturity. Yeah. (laughs) Right? It is really cool. This is a movie where the solution to the monster was being emotionally mature. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. That is really awesome. Okay, now I'm ready to move forward. I want to actually, I just want to talk about something really briefly that we keep mentioning the writing of this movie. One of the writers for this movie is Pamela Ribbon. And it's personally, just for me, exciting to see her do so well because I've been following her work since the late 90s. She was a a writer and forum moderator on Television Without Pity in, like, 99, 98. And I was on the internet back then with her, and I followed her work up from then, and she wrote some books. And I remember when she got a gig in TV for TV writing and how exciting it was. And now she's writing this, like, hugely popular, successful movie. And she also helped write, I think, Moana as well. But this is way more her and... I am, it's so fun to see someone whose career you followed from tiny go to big like this. And I have a few people in my life who, whose careers I've really followed from the beginning and she's one of them. So like, good job, Pamela. It feels like I know her even though I don't at all, but I just feel personally invested in a bloat. Like, good writing, good job. I really love you. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I, we are now doing a segment on for every episode of WTS, which is, what age is this appropriate for? So Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet. What age would you take your kid to see this? There are some frightening moments. The replicating Ralphs are kind of scary. They're a bit creepy. And the viruses Mm -hmm. are kind of scary. Our seven-year-old, almost eight-year-old, like... You were gone at the moment, taking our other daughter to the bathroom, but there was an empty seat between us, and she moved to come sit right next to me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in scariness, I wouldn't go much younger than seven. Six, maybe. I think seeing it in theaters, six or seven, probably seeing it at home could be fairly young, because you don't notice the the creepiness of things when you're seeing it on your home screen, or at least I don't think so. So 
I think this movie could be as young as four or five. It's pretty, it has like two moments of kind of creepiness, but there's no jump scares. There's no extended scary scenes. There's, Mm -hmm. it's quite mild and quite just generally funny. So is I there think anything, it aims pretty young. Is there anything in any other way that you think is inappropriate for children? I'm trying to think, like, about innuendo and uh, that kind of adult situations. Mm-hmm. I don't know no, that there's really... Like, so. Slaughter uh, Race has implied violence. Mm-hmm. But it's very video game violence. Yeah. And the like the people the players get torched and it's very clear that the actual people are playing a game and their avatars turn into Yeah, and they're fine. Dust and they are fine. Yeah. So I don't think there's any like gratuitous violence or innuendo even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it aims pretty pretty young. I think you're pretty good with like your even your four year old watching this. Four or five, maybe six. Anyway. <laughs> and lastly, is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's good. I think it is the most, like, uh, I kind of categorize it there with Paddington 2 as, like, a sequel that's better than the original. Mm-hmm. And not there's not a lot wrong with it quality wise yep agreed and is it seriously good yeah i think yeah i think so i think this is a good and seriously good movie we didn't even really talk about it but we should can just say it very briefly here that like there's uh racial diversity yep there's a lot of racial diversity in the minor characters Mm -hmm. as well yep and like yes uh is uh what's her name (sighs) <sighs> Tara G. What is it? Tara G. Henson. Tara G. Henson. Uh, so a, a major role for a woman of character added, a woman of color added to the cast mm-hmm. is what I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's well done on many fronts. It's one of the, it's, yeah, I think it's good and seriously good. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly seriously Surprisingly good. Surprisingly seriously good. One of the seriously best movies we've seen, I think, mm-hmm. in my judgment. Oh, wow, really? All yeah. Right. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. So, that's Wreck-It Ralph 2. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yep. Worst title ever. Terrible um, title. Hilarious. So many Easter eggs that I am still laughing about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... If you would like to point out more of them, if you want to talk to us about how good or bad or whatever you thought Wreck-It Ralph 2 was, if you think we're missing some part that, and you're like, Jan and Paul, how could you say it's seriously good when there's this whole thing about this that we completely missed? Fair enough. Let us know. Mm -hmm. You can do that on Twitter at WTScast. You can send us an email, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. You can send us uh, all sorts of internet things. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, that other place, the Reddit place. Anyway, those links are all in our show notes, as always. Just just check your little podcast feeder and see that. If you're not subscribed in your podcast player of choice, you can do that. Mm-hmm. 
Give us a bunch of hearts, just like they gave Ralph. Yeah. If you love what we do, if you want to give us even more hearts that we can make into money, you can give us money. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? No, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. There was no references to Patreon in this movie. There was a lot of references to things. I did not see a single reference to Patreon. (laughs) Patreon.com slash clockworkscast is where you can support us. We are ad-free just for you. And because no one wants to advertise on us. Mm-hmm. Thank you to everyone who does support us on Patreon. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And something about the internet. Don't, um, don't break it. Don't break the internet. This podcast is going to break the internet. No. Like Booyah. Breaking the... Okay. Okay.